Good morning, everybody. Welcome. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness and for who you are. Thank you so much for this time together. And we ask that you would teach us. Teach us what we need to know, what we need to live by. Teach us more about you. Here we are, your people. Lord, teach us, I pray. Amen. Well, as I like to do, starting with a question. And uh, this morning, I don't want you to talk to anyone about it, but I want you to answer this in your own heart. If you could ask Jesus to teach you one thing, what would that one thing be? You can only choose one thing. What would be the one thing that you would want Jesus to personally teach you? I'll give you a moment. Have you got your answer? Yeah? Nod your head if you got your answer. Okay. I'm not going to even ask you to say it out loud today. But what I will ask you is, how you answered that question, did you answer that question because that's going to help you be more satisfied in life or to give you more security in life? Again, I don't want you to answer, but did the question that you answered, the one thing that you want Jesus to teach you, is it because you want to be more successful or have more security in life? I'll just leave that there. Uh, Jesus teaches us all sorts of things in the scriptures. And uh, when you think about his interaction with his disciples, there was so much that he taught them. He taught them the word and uh, how to understand the word. He he taught them uh, how to live in many ways. I wonder if he taught anyone carpentry. He was a carpenter, right? He was a builder. I wonder if he passed on any of those skills. He, He definitely taught people how to fish for men and to share and be a witness in the world. Uh, he, he showed them and taught them how to be dependent on the Holy Spirit. Um, he taught them how to have healthy and good relationships. He taught them all sorts of things. But there was one thing that his disciples asked him to teach them. One thing they saw in his life that had such a profound impact on his life that they saw him practice regularly. One thing that they said, we need to learn how to do that. Because look at the impact that's having on Jesus. He, he finds his purpose when he does this. He finds his uh, peace and, and joy. He, he finds his direction and security. And, and so, Lord, will you teach us? And it's interesting. It's the only thing, the only time in Scripture that you see his disciples say, Lord, teach us. And can you guess what that one thing was? You guys have got it. (laughs) Lord, teach us to pray. So why do we struggle so much with this? Why don't we live a life of prayer? 
I don't know about you, but I certainly struggle in this area. I'm, I'm still learning how to pray, how to grow in this priority in my own life. Uh, maybe you're different to me. But I want to unpack this for us today. And uh, if you've got your Bible, well, I shouldn't say if you've got your Bibles. Of course you've got your Bibles. We're at church. You're a Christian. You just live and carry your Bibles everywhere, right? So Luke chapter 11. Turn with me to Luke chapter 11. And this is where we see his disciples say, Lord, teach us how to pray. When you got it, let me know you've got it. Luke chapter 11. Awesome. I know some of you are with me. Luke 11 says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray... I just want to pause there for a minute. She noticed Jesus didn't say, if you pray. He said, when you pray. This is a mark of his followers, right? That's the culture that he grew up and lived in. It's uh, certainly the understanding of his disciples that they should pray, and no doubt they probably practice prayer. But Jesus says, when you pray. You think about even in the Old Testament, uh, as early as... Uh, the beginning of Genesis, we see that um, God's people were identified by calling on the name of the Lord. Cain killed Abel and Adam and Eve had Seth and Seth had Enosh. And it says at the end of chapter 4 in Genesis, it says, at that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. How do you call on the name of the Lord? Through prayer, right? And then all the way through Genesis, we see Abraham calling on the name of the Lord. We see Isaac calling on the name of the Lord. Uh, Rebecca, his wife, inquiring of the Lord. We see Jacob calling out to the Lord. And that's just in Genesis. And then after we move out of Genesis, we see Moses interacting with God and praying. Who else do we see? We see David praying. And some of the Psalms are an expression of his prayers. We see Hannah praying. She was barren and seeking God to give her a child. And Samuel was born and she dedicated Samuel. We see many others in the Old Testament praying, calling on the name of the Lord. Esther, she called her people to pray and God delivered them through prayer. We see many. And in a sense, the Bible is a story of people praying and God responding. And so it's, it's not a surprise when we see John the Baptist praying. Well, we don't, do we? Or do we? But the disciples did. And they said, Jesus, teach us to pray as John the Baptist taught his disciples to pray. So what was, it, what was different about John the Baptist's life and what was different about Jesus' life that the disciples said, teach us how to pray? There was something different about their prayer life that they said, teach us. And I think it's expressed through Jesus' instructions here. Um, it's clear that God's people pray. Jesus prayed. We should pray. So how should we pray? Well, Jesus goes on. When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Again, there's a lot in that one verse. Yes, God is God Almighty and his name should be revered and respected. Okay? But 
that first word, Father, tells us a lot. And this is my first of three observations about this prayer. Jesus is teaching that prayer is interacting with a loving Father. Is that how you approach prayer? For you, is it interacting with a loving Father or is it more of a, 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 a religious practice? It's not really a relational practice. Now, Jesus actually criticizes um, people for the religious practice of prayer and he calls them hypocrites. And um, uh, earlier on, several months prior to this, we see in Matthew 6, Jesus actually teaching about prayer as well. And there's a very similar pattern in his teaching in Matthew 6. So flip over to Matthew 6. And we see Jesus unpacking this prayer again. Uh, but before he does, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5, who's got it? Matthew 6 and verse 5. He, he says, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Hmm. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners. Well, what's wrong with that? We invite people here to come out and pray. What's wrong with praying in public? Well, that's, that's not what Jesus is getting at here. Why are they hypocrites? They pray in public. He, he goes on and he says, they do this that they may be seen by others. Their motivation is to be seen as righteous, to be seen by others as being, you know, I'm religiously good. But Jesus goes on, he says, truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Verse 6, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Yeah, do you see that? Jesus sees those. God sees those who pray in secret, whose hearts are for him, who want to connect with him. When you pray, whether it's publicly or privately, are you wanting to be seen by others? Or are you wanting to be seen by the Father? You know, Jesus is teaching that prayer is interacting relationally with a loving Father. Um, even in Jesus' own prayer life, uh, we see this played out. And, and Luke chapter 3, just stay in Matthew, but I'll, I'll read you a part of Luke chapter 3. Um, Remember the time that Jesus goes out where people were being baptised and he himself gets baptised. And it says in Luke 3, 21, Now when all the people were baptised and when Jesus also had been baptised and was praying, he's praying in public there, baptised in the Jordan, the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove and a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. You see, as, as Jesus prays, the heavens open, the Holy Spirit descends, and then he hears these beautiful words of affirmation. You are my beloved son. In you I am well pleased. I don't know about you, but in my times of prayer, I want the heavens to open. I want the Holy Spirit to descend on me, and I want to hear from my loving Father. You are my son. In you I am well pleased. I want the heavens to open up over this community. I want everyone in this community, in this church, even you. I want the heavens to open up and the Holy Spirit to come into your life and to encourage you that you are a child of God. 
And so when we spend time in prayer, it's a time for God to encourage us, to affirm in us our identity as his child. Because he's a loving father. Prayer is interacting with a loving father. And today you need to know that you are loved. And God wants to interact with you personally. Jesus goes on, Matthew 6, and he says, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Don't be like them. Your father knows what you need before you even ask him. So he's saying, pray to be seen by the father, but he's saying, just keep it simple. Prayer doesn't have to be complicated and complex. You don't have to use special words. You don't have to keep saying them over and over and over again to try and get the ear of God. He's saying, just keep it simple. And he says, this is how simple it is. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven. There it is, our Father. Hallowed be your name. And then he goes, your kingdom come. Your will be done. And here's my second point. Prayer is interacting with a loving Father. But prayer is also seeking God's will and way. It's not asking God to bless my activity and what I want to achieve and what I want to do. We come to our Heavenly Father seeking His will, His way. This was a mark of Jesus' life. You think about when He started out His ministry, He called a few disciples to follow Him. And in Mark, we read about this amazing first day of ministry where he's in the synagogue and he he cleanses someone who is demon possessed and then he goes into his mate Andrew's place and he heals his mum and she begins serving them and then many others from that community start bringing to Jesus all who were demon possessed and who needed healing and they keep bringing them bringing them bringing them and it's a full day of ministry and then we read these beautiful words in Mark 1 from verse 35. It says, Rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, a secret place. Why? There he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him and they found him and said to him, Everyone's looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I've come out. Simon comes out, everyone's looking for you. The whole town's looking for you. You're you're a celebrity. You're important. Stay. Let's go. Let's go back and minister. And Jesus says, whoa, 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 whoa. I've spent time with my father. And he's told me it's time to move on. Jesus wasn't concerned about his reputation, his celebrity status. He was concerned about the will of God, his father. And his father said, move on. And he moved on. How did he know that he was to go to other places to preach? Well, the father told him, no doubt, in prayer. And then at the end of his ministry, we see Jesus also expressing this desire in in a very confronting way. Before he goes to the cross, we read in Luke 22. Luke 22 and verse 41. He withdrew from them about a stone's throw. 
And he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, there it is again, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. You know, Jesus is about to go to the cross. He's about to endure terrible, terrible things. He'll be beaten beyond human likeness. But he's also going to be separated from the Father for a moment as he takes on the sins of all mankind and the Father turns his face away. And Jesus says, look, take this cup from me. Does he hide what he's going through from the Father? No. Does he say, Lord, this is your will, I'm happy about this? No, no. Jesus is saying, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. I'm not enjoying this. It says in that passage that he was in extreme agony. He's real about his situation and what he's going through. But he doesn't just stop there. Jesus says, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. What circumstance are you in right now? What are you facing which is complete agony, which is tormenting you? which keeps you awake at night? Do you come to the Father with your shopping list of please fix this and please bless my activities? Or do you say, Father, this, I'm not enjoying this. You know, take it from me. If, if it's your will, take it from me. But not my will. Your will be done. I could stand here this morning and tell you many, many stories of people who have gone through extreme suffering and hard times. And it's in those times that they've chosen to say, Lord, I don't like this. If it's your will, take this from me. But they've used those very circumstances to bring glory to God and say, if this is the circumstance you've got me in, Lord, How do you want to use me in this circumstance to show the world that you are a loving father? And that's the posture that Jesus is teaching us this morning. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come in the circumstance that you're in right now. Prayer is seeking God's will and his way. It's it's interacting with a loving father. And I love the last part of this prayer that we see both in Luke 11, but I'm reading from Matthew 6 right now. I love the way that Jesus teaches us to to call out to a loving Father with our needs. He says in verse 11, Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. Do you see the three needs that Jesus teaches us to ask the Father for? Do you see them? He says, give us, forgive us, lead us. Give us our daily bread, our physical needs. Ask for your physical needs. Forgive us, ask for your spiritual needs. Lead us, ask for your relational needs. Jesus says to ask for your daily needs. I love the ministry of hands and feet. Um, 
many years ago before Bethany was born. And I was actually made redundant from a, a position. I'd completed the task and it was time for me to move on. And there was a, a period of a few months where I was seeking God's next step for us as a family. And uh, a local pastor, not of this church, but another place, um, heard that I was redundant. And uh, um, at, at the same time, I'm saying, Lord, you know our needs, will you provide? And uh, one morning we had a knock at the door and a, a car reversed up into our driveway and they started unloading groceries. Some of you have heard this story groceries and more groceries and boxes and more boxes so much that we're like lord what do we do with all this and the four of us stood around this huge pile of groceries and gave thanks and praise to god he knew our daily needs and he had provided and uh, he continues to provide i could again stand here today and recount all the ways that god has provided so wonderfully and miraculously for our daily needs. And I love it how Jesus says, you know, pray for your daily needs. He, he doesn't tell us to pray for our greeds and he never promises to provide our greeds, but he does promise as we seek God's way, as we seek interacting with God, that he will provide our daily needs. And he says, forgive us our debts. I, I don't know about you whether you realise this, but Christians aren't perfect. We're saved and our salvation is in Christ, but we still mess up, don't we? Each one of us still sin. And if we allow, we can allow the enemy to say, you're no good, God wants nothing to do with you and he wants to pull us away. Sorry, Matthew. He wants to pull us away. I just spat all over you. <laughs> we can either sit in our sin and allow the enemy to accuse us and accuse us and accuse us and pull us away from God, pull us away from his word, us away from our brothers and sisters in Christ but Jesus says no no come and ask for forgiveness come back into fellowship with a loving father come back into fellowship with his people and this needs to be a practice for us as Christians and then he says and lead us not into temptation well how do we not keep going back to that sin well we have to surrender our lives to the Holy Spirit's leading to God's leadership in our life. And the Holy Spirit talks to us through the word. He talks to us in times of prayer. And so Jesus gets really practical and he teaches us, you know what? Prayer is trusting God. Trusting God to provide your needs, both physically, spiritually and relationally. A relationally loving father loves to provide for all of our needs. If only we would trust him and trust him completely. Well, the disciples saw this in Jesus' life. They saw him living in close, beautiful relationship with his father. They saw him living and spending his life for the father's will. And they saw a loving father provide all of Jesus' needs each and every day. And so I, I come back to the question... What would you have Jesus teach you? And I come back to, is it for your security? Is it for your success? Well, when you learn to pray Jesus' way, 
you will find the satisfaction and security you long for in God, in a personal and intimate relationship with God. And that's what Jesus is talking about. You keep reading through Matthew 6 and he talks about not laying up treasures in heaven, uh, not laying up treasures on earth, but uh, lay up treasures in heaven. And he goes on, he says, don't be anxious about anything. Look at the birds of the field, how the Father provides for them. How much more does he love you? And he goes, so seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, your daily needs, forgiveness, led by the Spirit, all these things will be added unto you. So where are you at? How do you approach prayer? Is it a religious practice? Something you just got to get done? Something you got to do? Or is it interacting relationally with a loving father?